Well, hello and good morning. Welcome to First City. My name is Taryn Howell. I'm so glad to have you here with us this morning. I want to say a big welcome to everybody online that's joining us. We're glad to have you joining us wherever you are on this beautiful 4th of July. And thankful today that uh, today being the 4th that, you know, we celebrate our freedoms, but that we have right now. It always reminds me that we have the freedom to come together and worship, which a lot of our brothers and sisters in Christ across the world don't. So I'm thankful for that this morning. Thankful for all of you and uh, just what God has prepared for us today. So uh, I would, we just got done this past week with a series called You Asked For It, and that's where you got to ask all the questions, and we answered it, and that was a lot of fun. You should go back and listen to that if you missed it. But this week, we are starting parables, and these are just the parables that Jesus taught. Now, many of you, if you've read your Bible, you know the parables of Jesus, maybe have a good understanding. If you don't, I'll give you a little intro here as we get into it, but a parable is really, a, the, the word means to cast alongside, and so it's an illustration or a story that Jesus uses to put alongside a truth, and so Jesus gives you this biblical truth and then tells a story with it, and it's to help you to remember it, to understand it, to grow in it, and Jesus taught in parables all the time. Actually, in, in Mark 4, and that's where we're going to be today, if you want to go ahead and open up your Bibles to Mark chapter 4, that will be where we are most of the day anyways. Open up your Bibles, or if you don't have your Bibles with you, that's okay. There's sermon notes in the backs of the pews in front of you or on the sides and the balconies. You can grab those. But in Mark chapter 4, at one point, Jesus, in Mark 4, 34, says, Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in parables. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. So he got to a point in his ministry where he used them all the time. And I think he did this for a couple of reasons. One, because they were very memorable. Uh, he, he would use these really common, mundane things and talk about them and show kingdom of God principles out of these. And so he was in an agricultural society, so oftentimes he would talk about, you know, seeds are growing and trees and plants and vineyards and all these things that were common that anybody could really walk outside and see. And so this was a reminder to those people, and every time they saw it, they would remember, oh, I remember when Jesus talked about that. And so it was, it was a way for them to, to remember this, but also just engaging, because stories are engaging. Stories are fun to listen to, right? Everybody likes to hear a, hear a good story. And so Jesus used these all the time, but remember, they're, they're common things, but they really show divine principles, divine uh, things for us to learn that Jesus taught. Even one scholar wrote, I just I liked how this was written. Jesus taught men to see the operation of God in the regular and the normal, in the rising of the sun, in the falling of the rain, and the growth of a plant. And even in, Paul, in uh, Romans, Paul talks about Romans 1.20, that we can see the invisible qualities of God when we look at nature. And that's really what Jesus was doing. He was just bringing these things out for us to see in the common stuff. So we're going to get into them today, and we'll be doing these, going over parables for the next four weeks after this week, and so I'm excited for what we have in store for you and what we're going to be learning together. And if you've 
already know a lot about parables. I hope this is a good refresher and helps you to grow deeper. And if you don't know anything, that's awesome because then you get a chance to learn all of it. We're excited about that. So let's go ahead and pray together and then I'll get right into the parable for today. If you'll bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, today we thank you for the freedoms that we enjoy. We thank you for all that you have blessed us with. Lord, as we are getting into this message this morning and talking about parables and learning more about you and your kingdom and all that you are and all that you have in store for us, God, we pray that we, like the people that you're talking about in this parable, we have this good soil, this fertile soil, that we have open ears to hear what you would have to say to us. Lord, I pray that my words would fall short and your words would ring true and that we would leave today encouraged and challenged uh, to be more like you in every way. We love you, God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so if you're not open up to Mark 4, go ahead and do that. And we are going to read 1 through 20. So we're going through a lot here, but you'll just, we'll kind of follow along. I'll pause a little bit, but we'll explain most of it at the end. So let's, let's just begin going through this. Again, Jesus began, this is in verse 1, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake, while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables, and in his teaching said, okay, so here's the actual beginning of the parable here. Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he, was scattered, as he scattered the seed, some fell along the path, and the bird came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up grew and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. Then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Okay, so this, that, that's the whole parable right there. Not, not a whole lot into it, but then the rest of it is really Jesus just further explaining it to us. When he was alone, the 12 and the others around him asked him about the parables. He told them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those on the outside, everything is said in parables so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving and ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Okay, I want to pause on this for a second because this is, this is some confusing scripture right here. You read this and you're thinking like, what is Jesus talking about, right? Uh, it sounds like if you read this, it sounds like Jesus doesn't want people to turn to him and accept him and be forgiven. But that's, if you've read the rest of the Bible, you know that's not true. That's not who Jesus is and what he does. So I want to explain a couple of things here. This word secret that we see, this is really, in, probably in most of your versions, it's mystery. And this word is used incredibly. It's really common in the New Testament. And this doesn't mean a mystery, like you have to be a detective and go figure this out. It, it really means a mystery as in something that was once hidden has now been revealed. Something that once people didn't know about, didn't understand. He's really talking about the Old Testament here. That even the prophets in the Old Testament who prophesied about the coming Messiah, they knew something that God had revealed to them, but they didn't know all of it. But now, that's no longer a secret or a mystery that has been revealed, and it's plain to see in Jesus. But some people refuse to see it. People refuse to see it. 
They may be ever seeing but never perceiving and ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. So the, a parable really is a form of grace to those who have accepted Christ and who, whose ears are open to hear the message of the gospel. But it's also a form of judgment on those who have already hardened their hearts towards God. This saying right here comes from Isaiah 6, 9 and 10. And that's what Isaiah was talking about too. This, this, in Isaiah, what it's talking about is people who have refused God. And earlier you can read, you can go back and read right before this in Mark 3. Uh, and this, is also, this parable is also recorded in, in Matthew and Luke. Right before it, the, these Pharisees refused Jesus as the Messiah. And so Jesus is speaking really directly to them saying, listen, I'm, I'm telling you the truth and you're not hearing it. It sounds like Jesus is almost happy in this. This is not at all how it should be taken though. If you look at it on the surface, he, he's not. This, William Barclay, is, he's one of my favorite, uh, he writes commentaries, I love how he speaks into things. And he said in regards to this, when Jesus said this, he did not say it in anger or irritation or bitterness or exasperation. He said it with the wistful longing of frustrated love, the poignant sorrow of a man who had a tremendous gift to, to give, which people were blind to take or refused to take. So Jesus desired for them to hear it. That's why he said in verse nine, if you have ears to hear, he's not talking about physical ears, it's actually the ears of your heart then their ears should be open to this. We want them to hear this. Okay, but I had to explain that. We'll, we'll move on, we'll move on. Okay, then he, he goes into further explanation about the parable itself. But this, this being really the first of Jesus' parables that he taught, that we know of anyways, he was really using this parable as an example to set up even further parables and speak into them. But Jesus goes on in verse 13. Then Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? Because this parable gives you knowledge into the rest of them. The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes it away, the word that was sown in them. Others, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. So I want to kind of break this down a little bit as we, as we get into it, because if you just read it, sometimes it's hard to take it all in. But Jesus is talking about these four different types of soil. And this parable is called, if you're in, in your Bible, it probably says parable of the good sower at the top. That's really not uh, probably what it should be. Some of them might even say parable of the seed. It should be parable of the soils. This is about the different types of soil. And you can see here what Jesus how he kind of breaks this down. He's saying, so the, the seed is the word of God. The farmer or the sower is anybody who spreads the word of God. And then the soil, which is what he's really talking about, is the condition of the heart of the, of the recipient. It's the condition of your heart as you receive the word of God. So he has these four different types of soil that we'll go through and kind of talk about a little bit here. The first one is this roadside soil, roadside soil, or soil on the path, he says. 
in verse 15 where he mentioned this. It said, some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. So in this Palestinian area, it was a really arid dry climate. When he, so when he's talking about a roadside, this was just a path where people walked. They were usually referred to as highways, but not highways, of course, like what we would think of as highways. They're really narrow, and people walked on them all the time, and because they walked on them, nothing could grow there. And then the more people walked on them, the sun would come down on it, and it would become very hard. It was almost like concrete. I have an area like this in front of my house because my kids don't know how to walk on the porch whenever they're coming up to the door. Instead, they walk like right through the front yard. I almost took a picture of it to put up here. It drives me crazy. You know, it's just like, kids, come on, what are you thinking? And every time, though, they just walk right there, and they're like, no, Dad, this is it. This is, look at the dirt path that we created for, for us. And nothing, it doesn't matter, it does not matter how much you water or seed that area, it, it can't fight against what my kids are doing back to that area, kicking off seed and stuff, you know, and stomping and playing and running around. And this is really what he's talking about, that there's this really hard soil here that a seed can't get into. But he says later, whenever he's explaining it, that it's because Satan comes and takes it away. It's this, represents this hardened heart. And Satan comes and takes it away. Earlier he said the birds of the air or the feet trample it. But the message that we need to receive here is that Anytime the word of God is preached or taught or learned about or read, there is an element of spiritual warfare going on. And if you just think about this with your own life, if you've ever made a commitment, like I'm going to read through my Bible this year, or I'm going to, you will sit down to read your Bible and you will think of everything you have to do during that day all at once. That's what, that's what happens to me. So there, there will be distractions and I, I know it's hard to form habits and, and, and this is, it's, but this isn't just a habit. There's spiritual warfare involved in this, where Satan is trying to work to remove anything that would draw us closer to God. So this, this path, we can also read about it really in, I, I was trying to give in all of the different soils that are shown, what's a biblical example of that, and then how do we see this in our own life? And the biblical example that I found, and there's, there's, there's so many examples of it, 2 Kings 17, 14 through 15. But the Israelites would not listen. They were as stubborn as their ancestors who had refused to believe in the Lord their God. They rejected his decrees and the covenant he had made with their ancestors, and they despised all his warnings. They worshipped worthless idols, so they became worthless themselves. They followed the example of the nations around them, disobeying the Lord's command not to imitate them. See, this, this happens to us, I believe. Uh, I'll give you an example of how it happens to me. Since I'm someone who, I get up and preach every once in a while at least, whenever I hear somebody else preaching, and I, I listen to other preachers pretty often because I think it's just good for me to do, but a lot of times I can be ultra-critical of them. Because I'm thinking, I would have done this differently, or I, like, as if I got it figured out, right? Uh, you know, and, 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 but I can be ultra critical of them, or think, why didn't they say this, or what's going on? When really, what I need to do is just say, how does this speak, and how does this pour into my life? And so you might be being ultra critical of me right now. I'm not trying to give you a hard time. If you are, that's okay. But, but this is something for us to think through. Whenever you get into the Word of God, is it... What is our mindset as we approach the Word of God? Is it when we come in on Sunday morning or go to small groups or open our Bibles at home, whenever, 
is our approach that we're going to have these open ears and open mindset, are, are our hearts hardened uh, to it? I do this in another way, not to make all the examples about me, but even, even whenever I'm getting ready to preach, a lot of times I'll think about, I'll read the Bible with the idea of what is it that I need to say to people. You might do this as in you're hearing a message and you think, man, this person sitting next to me really needs to hear this. I'm glad they're here. <laughs> and now some of that is good because that's true because we care about our brothers and sisters in Christ and we do want them to hear it. But if it's all about that, then we're missing how this is at us and what God is doing in us and how it, you know, needs, how we need to respond to that message. So this is, that's the, the roadside soil, this really hard, resistant soil to the word of God. And then we get to the rocky soil. Now, when you first hear rocky soil, I remember when I first heard this parable, I thought, why don't they just remove the rocks? Like, come on, what are they thinking? And that's, that's not really what it means. It doesn't mean that there's soil over here and, you know, they're throwing the seed out and, and that it's, some of it's on the path and then there's all these rocks over here and they just missed and hit all the rocks. Any, any you know, farmer who knows anything would remove the rocks if it were that. This is really talking about a rocky bed underneath the soil so that and this is common in this area where Jesus was speaking, that there's this layer of soil, but then there's also a layer of rock underneath it. And so you get the, it looks like this is good soil. You get the perception that, hey, this, is, this soil is, is good. I can plant over here. But what happens is you're deceived because even the plants will start to grow and you'll see the crop come up. But eventually, whenever, you know, a couple of days with no rain or something and all your crops will die in this area because there's no roots that are growing deep and so you think about how does this relate to us I, I think for us it's 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 somebody who quickly responds to the word of Christ but then trouble comes he, Jesus says it very clearly in, in verses 16 and 17 when he talks about this he said others like seed sown on rocky places hear the word and at once receive it with joy but since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. I think for us, one of the ways that, you know, one of the ways we see this, and this is something we really work to avoid is, uh, you know, we try at First City not to have a big emotional plea to follow Christ. And now, we do have an agenda here. We want everyone to follow Christ, okay? Just make it clear. We're not hiding anything. Like, that's what we're about. But we try not to make it a big emotional call because we want it to be a logical decision. And we want you, just like what Jesus said, to count the cost of following Jesus. Jesus never claims that it's easy, never claims that it's, that it's like, okay, you do this and it's all, you know, rainbows and butterflies and everything's great and wonderful after that. Uh, th that's not at all what he says. He says, you know, pick up your cross and follow me, right? And so we, we want to be careful in this because it's, it's, sometimes it's really easy to come to somebody who's like, you want to follow Jesus? Your sins are forgiven. Yep. And there's no other, it's like, what, what else is there to it? And we don't give that a lot of times. That, there is a well-known evangelist who said, we have learned that it takes about 5% effort to win a man to Christ and about 95% effort to keep him in Christ and growing into maturity in the church. There's a lot of work to be done after that conversion period, right? There's a lot because, and this is because the roots don't grow down deep. The roots aren't deep into Christ anyways. 
Uh, one of the things we talk about pretty often is in student ministry, we have this a lot, is because we go to camp, and we're about to go to camp in like two weeks. And so I have, I have nothing wrong with camp. I don't want it to sound like that. But we get this, what we call a camp high. And this is not any illegal, illicit activity and no drug taking or anything. But there is this camp high that it's this spiritual high that the students and even the leaders will get on during camp because they go and they're there for four or five days and all they're doing is you know spending time with each other and with people who are pushing them encouraging them to be closer to Christ and learning about Christ and spending time in prayer and it's all wonderful and it's great and people make great decisions and they're like when I get home my life is never going to be the same as it was and then like two days after they get home, like, you know what, that was good, but I'm back to all the normal things in life. Now, that's not everyone, but that is common, and it's because the roots, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't take two or three days for your roots to grow deep, right? It, it takes, there's time and commitment that goes into that, so that when trials come, because trials will come, and temptation, and Jesus even says persecution comes, if your roots are deep, you stay firm. If your roots are deep, it doesn't really matter what's going on in the environment. It doesn't matter what's going on. It doesn't matter the climate. It doesn't matter how, what the weather's like. If it's, you're in a you know, season of famine, it doesn't matter. You stay solid because of where your roots are. And so the rocky soil doesn't have this deep roots. Okay, and then the next one we go to, third type of soil is the thorny soil. Thorny soil. Now this is typically seen as, you know, a, a farmer would go into an area before he plants the crop, and if there were thorn, thorns in there, a lot of times they would burn the field so that they could plant crops. But what you do, if you clear out the top of the field and don't pull out the roots of it, if you've been in gardening at all, I mean, even a little bit, you know, they're coming back and with a vengeance, okay? It doesn't matter what you did, they're coming back, and they are going to choke out the good crop. And Jesus is talking very clearly here about this is the war on the, that we have between following God and the desires of this world. In verse 18, he says, Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, oh, that's big, the deceitfulness of wealth. Think about that. We think when we get wealth, it's gonna, we're going to have it made, we're going to have it all, the deceitfulness of wealth. And the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. It's not like the word of God won't be there. You just won't see any fruit because of it. And so th this one, I think, is, is our big one that we face. As Americans, this, this is our thing. This is, this is the distracted by the world. This can look like busyness in our lives. Now, we never have time to, you know, spend time in the word or draw close to God because we're, we're, I'm just, I've got so much going on and my schedule is so packed and tight and there's too many things going on. This can look like debt even. I think debt means that oftentimes, not always, but means that I am so consumed with stuff and I have to have more and bigger and better and greater. And so we spend and spend trying to pursue something that we were never meant to pursue in the first place. And my, my real challenge to this one would be that and I hate to even say this on, you know, Independence Day, eagles and fireworks and all kinds of stuff. You know, but that you, you cannot pursue the American dream and Jesus. You can't. I, like, if you read the Bible, 
it, there's, it, you just can't. You cannot have all of the things that this world wants to offer you and all the things that God is offering you. If you say yes to one, you have to say no to the other. And I am very guilty of this because I have really tried saying yes to both for a long time. And I'm just, like, I, I'm, so I'm a little farther along than maybe some of you are. And I'm just going to let you know it doesn't work. It, it doesn't. If you're saying yes to the things of this world, then God will not be able to produce fruit in your life because you will be too distracted or consumed by the things of this world. Look what 1 John 2.15 says, Do not love this world, nor the things it offers you, for when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. It doesn't say, well, you'll have some of the love of the Father, but it'll be a little bit less than maybe what you'd hope, so you can kind of, maybe you can work and do both. Nope, you don't have it. You can't have one without the other. This is why I believe when Jesus talks about money, and he talks about money a whole lot, the theme of Jesus talking about money is give it away. Be generous, because we get so consumed with money, and in a, in a society right now that we have so much money and you may not feel like you have so much money that's because you're comparing yourself to people who are ultra ultra wealthy compare yourself to the rest of the world we do have so much money this is so easy for us to fall into like if I were going to pick any of any of the soil that we have the, the hardest time with it's this is that we we come in and we approach the word of God but we're already so distracted by the world we have so many other desires that we're chasing after that God doesn't have for us to chase after. All right, moving on to the good soil, the last one. The good soil. Now, this is, this is what we're trying to be. This is what we're chasing after. This is what we want. We want to be this fertile soil. In verse 20, Jesus says, Others... Like seed sown on good soil, they do three things. These are easy to hear things, not necessarily easy to do, but they hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop. Some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. So they hear the word. So that, just, that teaches you something right there. It's not enough just to be in the room, right? I mean, Jesus was talking to, to Pharisees, and he was talking to all kinds of people. He, he preached this to a lot of people that were, a lot of them were hearing it, but that's not it. That's not enough. So even if you're coming, maybe you're here every week and you're in small groups and you're like, man, I just don't know what's going on because I'm, I'm hearing it. Like I know I'm getting it, but things aren't really changing for me. I'm not really feeling it a lot um, because maybe you haven't done the other two yet, but you hear the word and you then accept the word and produce a crop. All three of those. And, and then he goes into this kind of a weird thing. Well, it's a weird thing for us. Some, he says some 30, some 60, and some 100 times what was sown. So normally when someone was going to go sow a crop, they, they, would, they would have even this saying of we, it's like we wanted to produce tenfold. Like that was the goal. And it doesn't mean that for every seed you plant, you get 10 seeds because that doesn't really work out because, you know, some fruit has a lot of seeds. And anyways, but it's, it's really for every dollar I spent, not that they spent dollars, but every dollar I spent, I get $10 in return. And so that's a, that's a good return. So 30-fold would be kind of crazy, and 60 would be really crazy, and 100 would be miraculous. And that's kind of the point, Right. A hundred would be a miraculous thing. The, the only other time that I know of that we hear about this, and I might be wrong, maybe you 
you know the Bible uh, better and you can come teach me. I'd love to hear that. Uh, but Isaac, Isaac in Genesis 26 produces a hundredfold. He's in this uh, foreign land. There's a famine, so he has to go into this Philistine area. And Isaac and Rebekah plant and they, they produce a hundredfold. And Isaac becomes incredibly wealthy because of this. And so Jesus is saying, you won't just produce a little bit. There will be this abundance in your life. And, well, what is it, and you may be thinking, well, what, okay, well, abundance of what? And, and I would say this is righteousness. This is good deeds. It shows itself, the fruit of Jesus in your life shows itself in obedience. It shows itself in repentance. When you see that, that you are convicted by something that you're doing and you know, I need to change my way. That, that is the fruit in your life coming out. And then you'll have the opportunity, and Jesus will show you opportunity to, to share this message with more people. And then, so there'll be fruit that way, too. But we want to be this good soil. Uh, James 1.21 says, get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives. I love James. He's just, like, real clear. Okay, there's not a question. About you. Get rid of all the filth and all the evil in your lives. And humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. See, being good soil means we approach the word of God with expectancy. We approach it with humility. Not that I hope other people are really learning in here, but God, what do you have to say to me? We approach this with an the knowledge that, God, I need you, I need your grace, I need your mercy, I need everything that you have, I want it. And help me to learn from this. Help me to soak in everything that you're, you're wanting to say to me. So my last, my last point that I want us to really walk away with is that abundant growth, and really it could just be growth, it could just be any growth, but abundant growth is only possible in good soil. And so... This is the, the real challenge for us today and us listening is, is really to check and see what kind of soil we are. If you're really resistant to it, I, I mean, you, you got you to gotta check yourself. Are you, do you come in to listen to the word of God and you're so distracted by the world? Then there's probably some things in your schedule, in your life that you need to, just like James said, get rid of all the filth and evil, right? Get, get rid of all of that that distracts. And so how do we know that we're doing this, though? How do we know this? What, I think one of the, the clearest verses to speak to this is, it, well, it's in Matthew 12, 33. It's talking about the fruit that we produce. A tree is identified by its fruit. If a tree is good, its fruit will be good. If a tree is bad, its fruit will be bad. Can't get much clearer than that, right? So it's really about the fruit that we produce. And then... My last verse, set of verses I want to show you that, you know, this was written many, many years before Jesus spoke these things, but it flows so well with this. I, I love what this says. This is from Psalms 1, 1 through 3. It said, oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers. So I'm not taking part in any of the evil things that are going on, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. Now, 
you just kind of stop and take note for a second because this is not meditating. It's not just, I read it, good, checked it off my list, and now I can move on, and I did my stuff for the day. Meditating is this, thinking about how this applies to my life. God, where do I need to change? How do I better be obedient to what you have to say? Letting the word reflect on you. Hebrews 4.12 says that the word of God is, it's like this double-edged sword. And it, it goes between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. And it teaches us. This is why you can be reading the Bible and you can be convicted of sin in your life. It's, it's like, wait, I wasn't even reading about this. How did this, you know, how did these even equate? It's because the word of God is alive and powerful. It will, it will speak to you and show you these things if you have this soil ready. So meditating on it, God, show me what I need to hear through this. And then if you do this, though, meditate on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. If this is how you approach the God, you will be like a tree by the river, it does not matter what the climate is around you. You will prosper. You will produce fruit. And I think this is so important right now in the culture that we're in. We live in, a, in our nation that I believe is heading farther away from the things of God. How do we stay fruitful in this season, in this time? And well, here's the answer. It's, it's, you delight in the law of the Lord. You stay grounded in the word with an open mind. Let the roots of Christ and his word come deep into your life so that what's going on the outside, what's going on in the culture around me, whatever the weather looks like, I'm staying firm in him. So here's my, my challenge for you. And I always like to address the you know, two sets of people. Maybe for you, you've never given your life to the Lord. You might be here for the very first time or might be listening online for the very first time. And first of all, we're glad to have you here. Thank you for being here. But for this, I would just, I, I would encourage you to make that decision to follow Jesus. Um, if you've been unsure about God, just continue to study, continue to, uh, you know, come ask questions. We would love to follow up with you about that. If this is you and you've been a Christian for a while and uh, you're not really, really sure, it, my, okay, my challenge for you, though, would be to check the soil that you're in, right? Just do a, do a self-assessment. Ask God even. God, expose the things in me that you want to remove. What, what is it that's maybe weeding out God of your schedule? Is it I'm too busy, my kids are in eight different sports over here and I don't have time to do any of this? Or, or is it that I have, I'm just too cons consumed with the desires of this world and weed out what you need to weed out? You will not regret weeding it out. You know, Jesus tells us to count the cost before following him because it, the cost is high. It means a, a death to our old self, but we also know that Jesus is incredibly worth it. That there is nothing in this world that compares to him. So weed those things out of your life so that you can follow Jesus the way that he desires for you to. As we go into uh, this last song and we'll go into... We'll have communion prepared for you at the back. Let this be a time just of remembrance, of reflection, of thankfulness for Jesus and what he's done for you. Let's pray together.